How many communities had, you know, have, have experienced so much of what Rondo uh, has? So as we think about, for example, the $90 million in wealth in today's dollars that was stolen from our African-American community here on Old Rondo, it's a staggering number. That was St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter III. He's highlighting one of the most staggering facts about the Rondo community. The construction of I-94 through the center of Rondo destroyed the ability for many Rondo residents to build wealth. The loss of homes, businesses, and community members was devastating to a local economy that had grown to be largely self-sufficient. As the decades passed, Rondo has struggled to keep pace with the rest of St. Paul as the city has grown and developed. The residents of Rondo have worked tirelessly to rebuild what was lost. Nearly everyone acknowledges that what happened to Rondo was wrong. The question now is, how do you make it right? I'm Brant Williams. And I'm Jonathan Rabb. And this is Untangled Roots. Much of the loss suffered by Rondo residents can be seen as personal. A loss of closeness, a loss of connection, a loss of community. Mayor Carter's grandfather, Melvin Carter Sr., shared what it was like to have a variety of local Black-owned businesses in Rondo and watch them disappear after the highway came through. We had uh, we had a couple tailor shops, a uh, dr- couple drug stores, uh, and a uh, f- place where you could buy fuel. They sold coal in those days, coal yards, a service community, and... Uh, barbershops, and uh, a lot of little small grocery stores run by blacks. A lot of little places that uh, just wiped off the map. After they ran the, uh, oh yeah, after they ran the uh, freeway through here, that really wiped us all out. That wiped everything out. That just, that just uh, dismembered the whole community, and uh, people moved all in different directions, lost contact with people. There was never the cohesiveness again in the neighborhood that we had then. It was never the same. And for a long time, it was not acknowledged. The residents of Rondo had their lives turned upside down and were left to deal with it. What do you feel about um, apologies just in general? Like when when a organization or a institution or a state apologizes for something that they did 60 years ago. Right. So for me, as you know, somebody, again, who um, a lot of that is, is a ceremonial type of deal. Uh, and I get that. Um, and and it's it, it can be helpful. I mean, obviously, if you want to start some type of healing, you got to start by acknowledging that you wronged somebody and their an apology is um, is part of that. Right. And so if you're a government official and, you know, like in, in some cases, uh, uh, there have been like like big apologies and little apologies. Big apologies like for um, governments apologizing for uh, committing genocides against another yeah. you know, group of people. Very um, necessary. I those think. are big apologies. Those are like, and, you know, so we should start there and say we're real sorry about that. 
Um, when it comes to like a state, uh, let's let's take. Um, well, let's just jump into the the apology that was issued um, by the mayor of St. Paul at the time over the Rondo about the destruction of the Rondo neighborhood. I I think if of any if you're in any elected position, it's like to be able to admit when the organization that you represent, the state or the city, has has wronged somebody that you got to admit it and you got to apologize. Totally. Uh, so, but I guess I'm always curious about so. The city worked up enough. The I'm sure they went through some wordsmithing and some, you know, maybe some consulting about what language to use and how far to go. But I wonder, you know, how much of that also includes, like, what do you do? I mean, you yeah. can apologize, but are you going to, like, make people whole for that? And that's I, another part. I feel like I understand it as long as the pol- apologizing party is not doing it to clear their slate. Right? right, and just say, wash their hands. Yeah, there's a there's a common uh, black online phrase, which is, make sure your apology is as loud as your disrespect. Right? Um, right. I, I I always wonder, when, when you do these apologies, like, what are you doing to actually, like, rectify? More than 60 years after ground was broken to construct I-94, representatives of the city of St. Paul came together with the sons and daughters of Rondo to formally acknowledge what was done to the neighborhood. The Rondo healing ceremony took place in 2015. The previous mayor of St. Paul, Chris Coleman, spoke on behalf of the city and apologized for the harm that was caused. The story of Rondo is not a unique story in America. It's a story retold in the Nashvilles and the Miamis and the Chicagos and the New Yorks. In cities across this country, freeways that bend like and curve like circus contortionists through wealthy neighborhoods, straighten out into a wide swath of destruction through the neighborhoods of the poor, the disenfranchised, and the non-white. But though Rondo is not a unique American story, it's St. Paul's story, it's St. Paul's history, it's St. Paul's shame. I'd like to believe that there was no overt racism that led to the destruction of Rondo. I wish that it was merely the actions of some DC bureaucrat that knew nothing of St. Paul who drew a line on a map simply because it was the shortest line between point A and point B. But a cursory understanding of our history tells us that erasing Roy Wilkins' riot of warm colors, the silencing of sounds that would make a person from the South or Harlem or State Street feel at ease, was no benign act. Somewhere, a decision was made that the mothers nursing their babies in Cornmill Valley were not quite as attached to their children as the mothers nursing their babies on Ramsey Hill. That the person breaking his back to put food on his family's table by working 80 hours a week in his store in Oatmeal Hill did not contribute as much to the local economy as the merchant downtown that the child trudging through the snow to attend school at Maxfield or Mechanic Arts could trudge just a little further, detached from the community that supported her, looked out for her, and nurtured her. Today we gather for a ceremony of remembrance, reconciliation, and restoration. But these are not three distinct acts. Rather, they're three components of the act of contrition. 
Today we acknowledge the sins of our past. We regret the stain of racism that allowed so callous of a decision as the one that led to families being dragged from their homes, creating a diaspora of the African American community in the city of St. Paul. Today we ask for forgiveness from those who lived through those days when our community was at its worst, and for those who continue to rebuild the shattered pieces of Rondo. And we pledge to work to build a permanent commemoration of Rondo, not just in this plaza that we construct on this ground that we stand on. Rather, it will be in a community that erases the stain of racism, which creates equality for all, and builds from the remnants of Rondo, the city that we all hope St. Paul to be. Today, as mayor of St. Paul, I apologize. On behalf of the city, to all who called Rondo home, for the acts and decisions that destroyed this once vibrant community. And I pledge the full faith and efforts of our city to not rest until we are a community where all, as well Roy Wilkins described Rondo, have a place where we feel at home. The Rondo healing ceremony provided more than just a platform for Mayor Coleman to apologize. It gave current and former residents of Rondo a chance to share their hopes for a better future for the neighborhood. One of those residents was Robin Hickman Whitfield, a longtime Rondo community activist and staple in the Rondo community. They thought they buried us, but they did not know that we were seeds. All right, yeah. This must be about us knowing. We have to know we're seeds. We have to. As I was leaving the house, I looked in the backyard and there was a potted plant that's been dead since last summer. So I thought it was neglected, but sprouting from that pot was an orange flower. That's what they thought they buried us. They thought by neglecting us that we would stay buried, but we are seeds and we must know that. As a daughter of this community, I believe we have lived the answers we are seeking. It is about Sankofa. We must look back and reclaim, because Sankofa means go back and reclaim that which has been lost, and I would say, and stolen. We must do that. I remember a village that was full of institutions, still strong faith community, Organization, schools. I'll say this, I see the superintendent, I've said it in meetings with her. I walked to J.J. Hill School and was greeted by teachers, many, most who look like me and my principal did. We may not ever have that again, but there are plenty of resources from this community that can stand in the gap and we have to be brought in. I will end with speaking this African proverb. He who conceals the disease cannot expect to be cured. Let this be a place dedicated to the diagnosis and the treatment for our healing. Another resident who rallied the crowd was Ramsey County Commissioner Tony Carter, the mother of Mayor Melvin Carter III. We are putting this back together and so we can be whole, so that we can be one. We are not simply restoring our 
ourselves as we forgive for the sake of forgiving a past. We are restocking. We are replenishing. We are refreshing. We are renewing because everything we need is in the house. It's on the shelf already. It's been planted here. The seeds nurtured will grow and flourish and build the possibilities that we envision. Often, moments like this speak more to the desire to move forward, to use positive energy to replace bad memories. But to truly make it right, you have to move beyond words and into action. When it comes to restitution, after you make your your apology, what type of restitution is most appropriate? Yeah, I mean, if somebody was paid a pittance, when you know, compared to the type of um, you know, if they're a homeowner and they are compensated by the state for the taking of this particular property, and it's a fraction of what they should have been able to get on the market. Um, and they're forced to basically cash in their equity then, uh, what's the what's the recompense for, you know, somebody who's, you know, as many, many American families, that's your, your main source of, of wealth to, that will benefit your children and yeah. your children's children, you know, and, and that got cut off right there. I mean, Mayor Melvin's family was able to stay. Think about all the families that weren't able to stay. And had to be moved. Um, Mayor Melvin's family was able to, you know, over the years, over the decades, get into public service and um, be elected. And now he's mayor. Um, how many other possible mayors were in that area? Right. And so, yeah, I think this this hurt the trajectory of uh, black Minnesotans. How do we fix that? Right. Can you fix that? Now, you could argue that the type of losses that occurred in Rondo can't be quantified because they're so emotional in nature. But there is one type of loss that can be calculated, the financial loss suffered by the Rondo community. We asked Mayor Carter what his thoughts are on how the city can help Rondo rebuild. How do you rebuild a sense that there is a, um, uh, whether it be a a thriving uh, Black middle class community or a, a thriving uh, multiracial community that is that shares a sense of of connection. How is it, what's the best way to accomplish that? The shortest answer is I don't know. Uh, the shortest answer is I'm not sure that anybody knows. Um, there have been a lot of significant efforts. Um, I grew up in Central Village in St. Paul, for example, uh, which is right there in, you know, the community. Central Village is this space where, you know, there's, you know, good park space and, you know, larger homes with larger yards and attached garages and you know, cul-de-sacs and things like that. And and it sort of was designed uh, in the late uh, 70s, early 80s to mimic some of the like suburban types of spaces that people were moving out to to create sort of a, a, a middle class neighborhood for African-American families. I gave 
Bill Wilson credit for being the the engine behind that. And I got in trouble with him because he said his wife, Willa Mae Wilson, uh, who was at the uh, St. Paul Urban League, uh, was actually the, it was her idea and it was her brainchild. <laughs> and she uh, drove hard on that. So I, I, I stood corrected where that's concerned. So there have been efforts like that. Um, at some level, when we're talking about something that, uh, when we're talking about re- repairing a harm, that removed resources from the community. Uh, my grandfather owned uh, over a half a dozen commercial properties on uh, Old Rondo. Uh, and long story short, I don't own over a half dozen commercial properties today. A lot of those uh, old timers uh, uh, built that uh, by working on the railroad, by working as red caps, by working as Pullman porters, by shining people's shoes. You know, they, they uh, none of them inherited that money. Uh, it was uh, hard work that helped to build that. And all that to say is the only way to repair a harm is to restore what was what was taken. And so I don't think it's possible to do so without resources. Where in the past, symbolic gestures would have been considered a step forward, today there's a sense of emergency from the younger generations to see progress faster. This is what Mayor Carter had to say. Uh, we're having a conversation right now around uh, this cap, right? Uh, this, uh, uh, the, this, this vision, which is a very much a, a moonshot vision. And it's becoming sort of a lightning rod of a conversation in the community because there are younger folks in our community. So well, I see the, 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 the symbolism of it, but that's not enough. I'm a, I'm a descendant of old Rondo. How is this going to impact me directly? How is this going to, wh- where are the benefits going to go? The moonshot that Mayor Carter is referring to is the creation of a black cultural enterprise district connected by a community land bridge built directly over I-94. The Reconnect Rondo project would reunite the two sides of Rondo that were divided by the highway over a half century ago. The old timers always say the one thing nobody's making any more of is land. And so when you can get your hands on some land, don't let go of it. Uh, We're literally creating land. We're making more land in our community, and, you know, land is wealth in America in particular. And so um, I think it's an important conversation uh, because I agree that just to put a cap there and just to have it be vibrant and cool and exciting and a place that the rest of the world looks to and says that's amazing really doesn't explicitly automatically repair the harm that we're talking about. It's also intriguing because it may be one of the most significant uh, cross-generational discussions that we've had in our Rondo community in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it's one of these spaces where uh, quite often uh, the the most profound space that you can land in in a relationship is on the other side of some type of disagreement or conflict. So right. um, I'm actually blessed that we have this energy around this engagement um, and looking forward to us kind of moving ourselves kind of forward and moving ourselves through it. Right. Uh, but I'll tell you, I, I very much anticipate continuing down the road that we that we're discussing right now. And that is to say the notion of repairing a harm without restoring resource is probably a, a self-defeating notion. We're going to have to continue to drive resource into that space because the disparities that we built right. are man-made disparities sure. that we built by the decimation of Rondo. And so if we're going to repair that harm, if we're going to restore that harm, if we're going to atone for that harm, it's going to require 
um, uh, uh, investment, and I would suggest not just from the government organizations. You know, the city and the county and the state have work to do, mm-hmm. uh, but we have an enormous number of businesses. We have an enormous number of residents. We have an enormous number of um, uh, universities and instit- educational institutions who uh, benefited and have amassed wealth and resources because of the freeway. And we're going to have to um, look to all of us together right, to say, how do we restore some of that harm? There are still no clear-cut answers to the question of how to make right what was done to Rondo. But the wait for answers hasn't stopped Rondo and its residents from moving forward. There have been painful moments, but there have also been celebrations. In particular, the rise of a fourth-generation son of Rondo who would become the first Black mayor elected in the city of St. Paul, Mayor Melvin Carter III, The election of Mayor Carter seemed to amplify an already strong sense of community pride among Rondo residents. And the feeling for Mayor Carter is mutual. If somebody asked you, what do you love about Rondo, what would you tell them? Family. It's just it's just family. Um, And it's it's what I told you about my father. It's the ability to hear a last name and go, oh, you must be related to so and so. And I know your aunt and I know your uncle. And I'm starting. I think I drive my children crazy because I start I I can do some of that now. I I don't have my father's powers or that's concerned. Um, But that that level of connectivity and the sense of belonging that it brings uh, is pretty remarkable. And in as much as. it drives you crazy when you're a 15 year old trying to figure out, find some cracks to slip through. It also creates a um, sense of responsibility. It creates a sense of community ownership. Uh, and I'll tell you, growing up, uh, it was never lost upon me that if I, you know, whether I succeeded or failed or you know made some boneheaded mistake, I didn't just make it on my own behalf. I made it on behalf of my father and my grandfather in particular, whose name I bear. <laughs> Um, and so that's that's the thing for me is this 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 uh, quilt of a community that is just woven so closely together. And there's of course people who have moved in and come in around kind of the families and you know moved in for jobs or moved in for marriages or something like that. But the ability to walk that community and most of the people you meet be able to sort of place them on a mental map um, and to be able to hear. People say, my my dad played music with your grandfather, you know, or my, uh, my aunt grew up in St. Peter Claver with your dad. And to be able to um, have that kind of connection with people, it's pretty, I think, unique, especially for a city of our size, right. to function like a town in that way. Black people have called the Rondo neighborhood home for generations a tight-knit community whose will has been tested time and again. But no matter how much they are tested, this community has held strong. The sons and daughters of Rondo continue to fight. They fight for community. They fight for each other. They fight for the future that was stolen by the highway. And they won't stop fighting until Rondo reaches the future they deserve. Thank you so much for listening. Untangled Roots is a production of NPR News and part of our North Star Journey project. Untangled Roots would not have been possible without the work of many people, including executive producer Sarah Glover, producers Twyla Dang and Brent Williams, 
hosts Brant Williams and Jonathan Rabb, sound design and mixing Alex Simpson, researcher Ann Harrington, with original music by Greg Grease. You can learn more about Untangled Roots, the North Star Journey Project, and find additional resources by going to the NPR News website at nprnews.org. Untangled Roots was made possible in part by the Minnesota Legacy Amendments Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.